I'm Stephanie Hammond, and this is the Fruition Podcast. On this show, I sit down with passionate people who've brought their dreams to fruition. We'll explore different versions of success and fulfillment and dig into what was on their mind along the way. With these conversations, I hope we can all expand our sense of possibility. And who knows, maybe hearing their stories will inspire you to take action on yours. Hey, everybody. Today, we're back with acupuncturist, herbalist, and functional medicine practitioner, Emma McCoon. Yes, this is the daughter of Joey from episode eight. And yes, I do ask her what it was like growing up in Joey's household, arguing with a rain stick and a gong. (laughs) We also talk about the influence Emma received from her dad's more traditional approach to work and life and her experience moving between those two environments. We talk about religion, and I'm actually curious, is anyone here interested in a chat about spirituality? I'm not an expert, but I know some, and I have my own opinions, and I just think it's interesting to hear how people discover and ultimately choose their spirituality or their religion um, and the extent to which they identify with it and why. So Emma goes into it a little bit in this conversation, but let me know if you want more. She talks us through her early career in IT recruiting and then software sales and how the stress of these jobs and the nature of her lifestyle led to the onset of an autoimmune disease. Her self-healing process completely changed the trajectory of her career and her life. So we get into her transition and how she's redefined success for herself, how she thinks about money as a healer and a business owner, and where she sees her career going on this new path. I'm giving you two obsessions this week. The first is on theme with the episode. It's tongue scraping. If you don't do it, you need to immediately start. I use a tongue scraper anytime I brush my teeth. When you're sleeping, your body is cleaning up your insides and it's getting rid of toxins through your sweat, your waist, and also through your tongue. So when you wake up, You want to remove that from your body, not swallow it back down, not brush it around. You want to get it out of your mouth. It also removes bacteria that can cause cavities, gum inflammation, and bad breath. So pretty useful, I'd say. And it takes two seconds, so I can't think of any reason why you wouldn't. Bonus obsession is The Toast. It's a silly daily podcast with two sisters breaking down celeb news and all my favorite mindless shows. It's so much fun. And if you see me laughing to myself in the wild, I'm probably listening to these two. It's always nice to have something lighthearted to listen to. Just a reminder also that this episode is on YouTube. And if you want to see how adorable Emma is and how atrocious my hair looks, feel free to go cyberbully me for that. But only if you subscribe first. That's my only request. So If you want to see us in action, head over to YouTube and type in the Fruition podcast and you will see our faces. Okay, I hope you enjoy. Have a gorgeous day. Okay, hello, Emma. Welcome to the Fruition podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Your office is so beautiful. I can't wait to post pictures of it for everybody to see because it's so aesthetic and zen and calming. You did an amazing job. It's so pretty. Thank you very much. You grew up here, another Seattle girly, which actually, by the way, I've caught myself saying girly so many times (laughs) lately because I've been listening to the toast every day. Oh my God. And every morning when I listen to it, I think of you. So you grew up here in, in Seattle. Where in Seattle did you grow up? Yeah, I grew up in West Seattle um, for the most part of my early childhood. And then my parents got divorced and my dad moved to East Lake. And I stayed in West Seattle with my mom. And then we switched to East Lake every week with my brother and I. And then I went to high school at Seattle Prep. Um, and it's really weird to have a business in East Lake. I never thought I'd move back to Seattle. And I never thought I would work three blocks from the house I grew up in. But it's so funny how how things work out. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. can't really make the plans that we think we want to for ourselves, but it's all for the best. <laughs> yeah. I agree. And that. we know your mom because she was on an episode a few back and she has built this beautiful sound healing temple in Tulum. Have you been to visit? I assume you have. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She is a force of nature. She I feel really lucky is. that she's my mom in many ways, but yeah, that place is stunning. I try to go as much as possible 
it was a lot easier when I was on the East Coast because, mm-hmm. you know, it's a much shorter flight. Um, but coming from the West Coast, it's a little bit longer. And now having started this business, it's harder to take time off. But I'm hoping soon. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm actually thinking maybe I'll lead a retreat down there. With oh my gosh. At some point. Such so. a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's genius. That would be amazing. Yeah, it's a trek from Seattle. I've never yeah. been there, but it seems gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. I'm dying to know what it was like growing up with your mom in her hustle. Cause she, she gave us like a little flavor and said that you had to hold the talking stick if you were, fi- or the rain stick oh, when you were no. arguing and there was a gong that <laughs> she went back yeah. in your house. Like, was it, did it feel like a spiritual household? Like, what was it like having Joey as a mother? And yeah. then she kind of explained that your dad is very different, maybe even like the polar opposite of her. So I'm curious what that dynamic was like growing up in her household and then switching between these two households. Like, how did you develop your own sense of spirituality from that? Yeah, I think I'm very blessed to have two parents that have made me very well-rounded. They definitely are very different, Um, which, you know, opposites attract, I think, when you're younger. So my mom is very free-spirited. Oh, you see me talk about your mother. My mom's very free-spirited. She's very like a huge dreamer and she just gets things done. My dad absolutely does too. But, um, whereas my mom might be a little bit more impulsive, not impulsive in like the negative sense of the term, but, um, inspired action. My dad Mm. is going to be more thoughtful and take his time really thinking through everything. Um, I'm lucky because both of my parents and my step parents, they're all entrepreneurs. So there's a similarity there. Um, wow. And all different fields. Oh my gosh. So I guess in that sense, you know, everybody is not completely risk averse, but I would say um, my dad has definitely instilled in me more values of um, being thoughtful and maybe thinking before I act. And my mom has instilled in me just inspiration and going after your dreams. Oh my um, gosh, what a yeah, cool so, balance. Yeah, yeah. I would say growing up though, to answer your question, um, it wasn't until I feel like high school that she started really getting into the more spiritual side. I mean, growing up in Seattle, you're always kind of exposed to yeah. kind of natural healing elements and hippies and, mm-hmm. you know, raw food and, you know, all yeah. the things people typically you know, associate with more of a spiritual lifestyle. But um, yeah, there was a moment where she started bringing out the drum circle for the family with a talking stick. And I I don't think my brother and I took it seriously. And then she would get upset with us a couple of times, like bopped on the head with the rain stick. Uh, and this is when you were in high school. So you had like a fully formed opinion. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah. And I who think are you becoming? <laughs> I think that played a part too. I mean, I, I definitely think I've always been pretty open-minded. Thankfully, both my parents are, I was raised in a religious household. My mom comes from an Italian Catholic family. My dad's family are all wasps. So very <laughs> Protestant. Um, and, you know, I went to Seattle prep Jesuit high school um, yeah. and went to church growing up. So there's always been that kind of spirituality within just the array of like our childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say kind of branching out more into a less defined institutionalized definition of religion has been influenced by my mother quite a bit. Um, and while it might have seemed out there for me at the time, um, I definitely think it's pushed me to explore other parts of myself. And I think she's amazing because she talks about things so openly. I feel like spirituality for me is very personal. Um, So I think in high school, when she wanted to do like the drum circles and everything, I resisted a little bit because I didn't, I was so concerned about what other people thought about it rather than how it 
resonated in my own soul. Totally. <laughs> As a teenager, you're like, can you please yeah. just it's not so make waves? I like, <laughs> I just want to blend in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and are you adopting some of it now? Do you like it as an aspect of your life that you have that available to you? And she seems yes. like such an amazing sounding board to have. First of all, she's probably teaching you about all these like new, interesting approaches or like modalities that are out there that probably takes a little while to reach like yeah like guys yeah yeah so is that helpful to have around like someone to talk to and kind of like align with in that way I think she definitely pushes my boundaries like my comfort boundaries in a positive way Mm -hmm. um every time I go to visit I had a girlfriend and I went down Last July, um, I was going through kind of early stages of a breakup. So it was just a great girls trip. And my mom had set up, I mean, she's just an amazing entertainer in general. She always has been. Um, she's definitely like more is more kind of person, which makes everything she does so amazing. Um, so when we went down there, we did everything. We did soundscape, breath work. We did oh a sweat lodge, which I am not good. I've never with. done that. Okay. Heat extremes, cold extremes, whatever. Like yeah. I'm a very temperate weather girl <laughs> and the sweat lodge really tested me. Like I had to get me stroke after actually. Did you really? What yeah. actually, can you just tell me what it is? Because I know a sauna, like I understand there's yes. a sauna, there's a steam room, but like what makes it a sweat lodge? So it's called a tennis gal and okay. it's this hut that's, I think it's built out of clay. Um, oh. Don't quote me on this, but yeah. it's built into on top of the ground and there's a fire pit inside and they have these, I think they're volcanic rocks and they, they may, they contain a lot of heat. They're heated up outside of the lodge before you go in. And then they add the rocks as you're sitting there into it and they shut the door. Adding heat. Yeah. Oh my God. It's pitch black in there. So I'm so claustrophobic too. I felt like I was having a rebirth in there. I I was just dealing with all of my demons. Oh Um, my God. And the woman that led it is amazing. I mean, that's another great thing about my mom is she is so outgoing. She's so connected to so many amazing healers that you probably wouldn't otherwise be connected to. Um, So I feel really lucky that whenever I go, she always sets up, you know, the best thing. Yeah. So, um, damn. I can't remember the exact. That's got to be helpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I definitely like to geek out on stuff like that. So I think it'd be really entertaining. But just imagining going through something in your life and then using those different modalities and using her as a sounding board, I yeah. think would be very beneficial. That's incredible. Yeah, sure. So going back to that, like those teenage years of <laughs> kind of seeing your mom's awakening and then seeing how different that is from how your dad lives his lifestyle at, were you thinking at that point like that's too much for me I don't think I want to go in that direction and yeah. I'm excited to have kind of like a, your typical college experience yeah that's a good question I feel like because my parents are so different I always have this internal conflict between who am I? Am I this more extreme version of my mom? Am I more this extreme version of my dad? How do I reconcile the two? Um, And I think I'm still dealing with that at 29. I don't know how how to unravel. And maybe that's just part of the complexity that makes us. Well, and you're both. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to be one or the other. Yeah, I would say um, I've always been drawn to more esoteric things like mm-hmm. growing up I loved astrology which now is so popular and a lot of people think it's crazy but it's been an amazing way for me to make sense of life events and my personality um I think I've always been open to those things but it's kind of like I like to dip my toe in the water and my mom like wants to jump in <laughs> so. she's like full cannonball in the deep end <laughs> great it's good it's, it's amazing yeah. for me. but um and to be fair my dad's very open-minded too he just mm-hmm. has a more traditional view but every conversation I've had with him about spirituality he's it's very easy to talk to him about and um kind of entertain other 
realities for other people. So I do feel grateful that both of them are open-minded. But I did, I think my mom, my dad definitely instilled in us, you know, education, work hard, go to as good of schools as you can. So you can have a great network, great opportunities um, and do what you want to do. Just make sure that you're the best at doing it. So Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) no pressure. (laughs) Well, it's funny because you kind of showed that like you kind of lived out both sides of that in Mm -hmm. your studies in school because you went to Colgate, which is like this really traditional you correct me if i'm wrong you studied psychology and theology right mm-hmm. so it to me from the outsider's perspective which i know nothing about psychology or yeah. theology or colgate really for that matter it seems yeah, like no, it's no, kind no, of no. both sides of the coin like you got a little bit of both worlds mixed into that college experience yeah i knew that i wanted a traditional college experience because my dad is so close with his college friends they're yeah. basically all my uncles like i've grown up with them his he played rugby in college, like all of his frat brothers. Like it just was such a great community that I wanted to replicate that. And I knew I wanted to go back east to do that as well. Because mm. that's what we did. Oh, and I have okay. family on the East Coast too. Yeah. Um, a lot of family in Maine that we see quite a bit every year. And my mom was actually very encouraging of that as well. I don't think she looks at it as kind of an either or. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she also just wants my brother and I to have as many opportunities yeah. as so that played well into it yeah yeah and how did you choose those two majors yeah okay so I guess in terms of always being drawn to maybe like more of the subconscious and mm. I love people I love connecting with people um it's very easy for me to do that which I think you know, later on brought me into more of a healing profession. Um, I just love learning about how people relate to each other and relate to the world and psychology and religion are two sides of the same coin to me. Um, And going to a Catholic high school here, I was exposed to a lot of Christianity, which is beautiful. Um, But I took a world religions class my senior year that I just loved. And maybe it was because learning about more of Eastern theology was just so different from what we're brought up with. I felt like it was magical and I wanted to learn more. And also the more that I learned about all of these different religions, even when they seem so different on the surface, they really have so many similarities. Um, and I thought that that was really beautiful too. So I did the psychology major because I thought that that would be more lucrative or I could use that in more ways. I could take that pretty much anywhere post-grad after like a liberal arts education. There's more of a path with it yeah. or a presumed path. Yes. And um, the religion major was more because I loved it. Like I love learning about it. I took, I would feel really lucky. One of my favorite classes in college was called end of the world. And it was on apocalyptic literature. Um, Wait, that's so cool. I know it. And it it is really interesting. So we looked at um, the Qumran text. I don't know if you've heard of those, like the book of the watchers. Um, They were found at this archeological site and they're like, lost canonical books basically um and we looked at that and kind of like learning about these apocalyptic texts um through the lens of the culture at the time and what kind of things we can draw from that and maybe not it being like a prophecy in like a literal sense but it was for these communities um and you know we looked at even like modern cults so like i just Whoa. find it so interesting um that is and, fascinating yeah How but cool. i mean even beyond like the more uh i don't i don't know what other term to use other than esoteric but kind of the mm-hmm. more mystical sides of religion that i feel very drawn to mm-hmm. i like my senior seminar was um it was called sacred texts and we looked at the three major books in judaism islam and christianity and looked at like the same parables and kind of dissected them and looked at their similarities and the differences that came out of the different cultures and i again it just really cemented in me that Um, humans are complex, but we're also very simple and we all kind of just need the same values to live our lives by and connect to others with. So 
Yeah. yeah. I hope that answers your question. That's so interesting. <laughs> Having studied all those different religions and sacred books, do you feel like you identified more so with one than the others? Or did you just come to that conclusion? Like it's all kind of the same, but yeah, some different I words. Think- my relationship with religion has changed, has gone through so many evolutions. I feel like um, growing up, I'm very, I'm not a person that breaks rules ever. Like when I would do something wrong as a kid, I would get caught immediately. I'm a horrible liar. So growing up, like I really took my religion seriously and then kind of had like come to Jesus moment, if you will, Mm. (laughs) no pun intended, but (laughs) with these like world religion courses and like my, my theology major in college with a focus on Eastern theology, Mm. I really started pushing back against the institutionalization of religion Mm -hmm. um, and just kind of seeing some of the things I didn't like that came out of that and a very stringent view on what is good and what is bad, um, that seemed very black and white. And then actually like post-grad and the more I feel into my own spirituality, I do feel like I identify most with Christianity, but, um, I love learning about all other religions. So I'm not, I, yeah, I don't think that I would like pigeonhole myself into one particular thing. I mean, I'm not Jewish. (laughs) I'm not, you know, my, none of my uh, family members are Jewish. A bunch of my best friends are, they all went on birthright. I wanted to go so badly. Yes, I'm like, so jealous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everybody went on birthright. I was like, can I please? And when they had their bat mitzvahs and their bar mitzvahs, I was like, please. I know. Can we be I Jewish? know. <laughs> oh my gosh. But, um, yeah. So I would say probably mostly Christian, but interesting. a little sparkle in there. Yeah. That's so interesting. I mean, I have never liked the idea of having to choose one and identify fully with one. I know that that's useful for many, many people. And I think that's so great and important yeah. for them. You know, I think that you find what you need, but yeah, religion's always been such an interesting topic for me. And it's, I think it's interesting to talk about with different people because it can be so heated and so loaded, but, um, I want to, at some point do a deep dive ish of the different religions. Cause I just don't know enough about each of them, but I have always felt like identifying with one and only one isn't what's going to work for me. Like that, yeah, just, can, that doesn't it feels make limiting and it feels really stuff. limiting. Yeah. Yeah. And then the structure of it and like the institutionalized nature of religions has never quite felt right to me either. So yeah, I don't know. I I definitely am a spiritual person, but that's been a new recognition of mine where I'm like, I can be spiritual, but I don't have to be religious. And that can actually be the same thing in many conversations, but it's, it's just like how you identify yourself, I guess. I don't know. It's been, it's been an interesting kind of like self-study in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we, we ebb and flow with our commitment to faith as well, whatever that means to us. And I don't think it has to be a black and white thing. I mean, Our culture is so individualized anyway yeah. at this point for better yeah. for worse but it does give us the flexibility to explore different things with respect and yes. um integrate the things that ring true to us into our own lives and I think that's beautiful I totally agree yeah so you studied psychology and eastern theology and then you went into software sales in Boston right okay yeah. so so bridge that gap yeah. for us like Not really sure. I mean, <laughs> you were probably like hey I'm 22 and it's time to make money because I'm yeah. going to be independent now so how how did you actually like sell software sales to yourself yeah, actually, it wasn't software sales first. It was okay. IT recruiting. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Which it. was not for me, not for me at all. But it was a type of sales. And my yeah. step actually has a I, IT recruiting company here. Oh, um, okay. So, and it was in Boston where I wanted to be um, yeah. for some silly reasons. But <laughs> I, um, I would say it seemed like a easy next step. I I wasn't thinking too long-term about what are my career goals at 21, 22. Mm -hmm. I just was thinking, okay, like, what do I do next? I know I want to be on my own. My dad actually encouraged me to travel before I started working. Oh, really? I regret not following that advice 
I will regret it forever. Um, but I just thought it was what I needed to do. And mm -hmm. so I got a job and I accepted and I was there for seven months. It was a really toxic workplace mm -hmm. for a number of different reasons. Um, and I got another job doing software sales for the startup, but it was for a recruiting software. So okay. that was kind of where I got into the tech sales world yeah. versus um, recruiting. Yeah. And that was great. I feel like I learned so much. It was an early stage startup. I love the people that I worked with. It was a really tight community. I was, I think, the sixth salesperson that they hired. And um learned a lot about myself. I really like sales. I was pretty good at it. And, you know, it's great to get a commission. Nothing feels better than closing a deal, especially like when they have you ring the gong, it just feels so good to ring yeah. it, you know? But um, I would say that position got me into a good um, resume builder for me to go to the next company, which is this company called HubSpot. And it's a sales and marketing software. Now I think it's more CRM since I left. Um, and it's growing. It's a great company to work for. Um, and that was my last software sales job, which I was at for about a year and a half. <laughs> okay. And were these other environments after that first job, pretty healthy environments? Did you have good community there? Yeah. I mean, sales is so interesting, especially yeah. Texas pre-COVID. I don't know what it's like now, but it's such a social environment. It kind of feels like an extension of college in a 100%. lot of ways. Uh, and I think there is a lot of dysfunction in that. At one point I was looking around, I think I was 23 at that point, And I thought, wow, like, I don't really want to be doing this, like stuff at these company parties at 30 or like yeah. 40, whatever, when I'm married, you know, yeah. it, part of company culture, I guess, but, um, and just the, the nature of sales, you have a lot of really outgoing people who mm -hmm. like to be around other people and probably have pretty extreme personalities, which make them really fun to hang out with. Yeah. So, um, I would say, I think there was, it was much healthier than my first job for sure. Mm -hmm. But, um, just being a person, I myself identify as someone with like extreme natures. Um, I kind of, oscillate between zero percent and a hundred percent with most things i think it wasn't the healthiest for me and that's kind of how i made the decision to go back to school once i realized that it was impacting my physical health yeah yeah and and how did that show up for you i worked in consulting for a little while and it was similar we all lived with each other and everyone oh went, it was a lot of partying and a lot of fun but yeah. i it was not healthy at all, but yeah. mine manifested mostly as just like exhaustion, anxiety, weight gain, but like, yes. I know no, it can be so exactly much worse. It. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because I, when I actually got diagnosed with Hashimoto's, which is a thyroid autoimmune, it's pretty common, but it doesn't, that doesn't mean that it's not horrible to experience. It's serious. Yeah. It's an autoimmune hypothyroid disease. So your thyroid is under-functioning, um, which is, okay. controls your metabolism. And of course, all your other ones are related. So it kind of has a trickle-down effect on um, your women's health, on stress, on everything. It's yeah. You know, the root cause can be different for different people. Um, but yeah, so thyroid dysfunction mainly. Wow. And any sort of anything that impacts your hormones really has a ripple effect in every aspect of your life. That's a big deal. So I was feeling so, t and autoimmune just means that your body doesn't recognize. It, it thinks that your own system is an intruder. So it's, it, so oh thyroid autoimmune means that your body's attacking your thyroid, wow. um, which is where the antibodies show up on blood tests. Um, and for me, like, I just felt really tired. I was gaining weight, like very swollen, mm. um, but the fatigue and the brain fog were really, really bad. But yeah. I didn't even realize that it was a problem. At that point, I just thought that everybody felt like that in their mid-20s, like early 20s. I'm like, oh, this is just life and having a job, you know? You just and feel like shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I really did. And at the time, yeah. my boyfriend at the time, I had lived in Boston for, I think, three years at that point. I didn't have a primary care doctor. Oh, no. I have to go get a primary care doctor. So I did. And part of the checkup, um, my mom has Hashimoto's. My grandma has it. Really? I, 
it is, it can be hereditary. Autoimmune is more common in women than in men in general. Um, but theirs didn't happen until they had kids. That hormonal change triggered it for them. So I always thought it would be when I had kids. Um, and I think the stress from my job coupled with some other things I had, it feels weird to talk about now, but because I feel like such a different person, but mm. I had breast implants. And I think that that was a really big trigger mm. for my Hashimoto's as well. My body did not like it. Um, and I had a lot of physical symptoms that were coming after that. So the stress from the job and yeah. um, not living a really balanced lifestyle in terms of taking care of myself. And um, I think also the breast implants, it all was a perfect storm. Yeah. So many people are talking about getting their implants removed. Yeah. I had mine explanted two years ago and I feel like a completely different person. That yeah. is insane. Yeah. Wow. Do you think just because it's a foreign object in your body and it, your body? Yeah. You know, I think it? some people are more sensitive than others. Yeah. I have a history of autoimmune in my family and it had, it was mentioned at that point that it could be an issue, but not to the extent that I think it is now, um, with so much more news coverage about it and more doctors actually recognizing that breast implant illness is a legitimate thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting for sure. Wow. So Mm -hmm. how did you go about starting to heal yourself? You didn't even have a primary care doctor. Like did this, is this what started your whole journey of learning about acupuncture and these different modalities that have helped you so much? Yeah. So, um, I went to this primary care doctor that I signed up for and she found out that I had this family history of Hashimoto. So she tested me, came back hypothyroid. So she tested me for antibodies and I had a lot of antibodies. She said, you have Hashimoto's, which is this autoimmune. And my mom has had it. And she said, you know, I've been on this medication my whole life and I keep having to up the dose. I really recommend looking at seeing if you can do this holistically. I have some friends that did it. It's too late for me, but I wish that I could. I don't think it's too late for her, but um, now, but that's your mission. (laughs) Yeah. I, I'm very grateful that she suggested that I look at other options for treatment. That's what brought me to acupuncture and functional medicine. So I went to a functional medicine provider in Boston. She is an internist, MD. Um, So functional medicine, it's, I would say, like the biomedical approach to holistic health in the treatment of chronic illness. So instead of the typical approach that we have within the Western world, which is treating the symptoms, often with medication, not good or bad, just like the way that it is. Um, Functional medicine takes more of a diet and lifestyle first approach, uh, very in-depth lab testing that isn't typically covered by insurance, um, unfortunately, even though I really think that it should. And then targeted supplementation and um, also within the lab tests as well, functional medicine has narrower a more narrow definition of optimal versus like what's normal. So Mm. that is another kind of difference. So like if you're getting a blood test, let's just use a really simple example. If you're getting a blood test, there could be a range of what's considered normal, but that doesn't mean that that's a healthy enough range. Like really we can do better. And if we want to thrive or live well, then that's a narrower range. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Exactly. And so you see that, especially in Hashimoto's, you see that a lot. If like your TSH levels can be, it's more optimal to have it lower within like the functional medicine sphere of function because okay. normal is just what most people have, but that doesn't yeah. mean that it's healthy. Yeah. So yeah, that really was a game changer for me. I put myself on an autoimmune protocol, which is an elimination diet that is pretty hardcore you cut out all inflammatory foods and then slowly reintroduce them after about a month or however wow. your symptoms go so away. What did that look like? What was your so diet? It was grass fed meat, free range chicken, fresh wild caught fish, vegetables, and fruit. Wow. That's pretty much it. Um, and then you slowly reintroduce each food group mm-hmm. to see what triggers symptoms. And um, that was really eye opening to me. Gluten, I'm not celiac, which is autoimmune, but I definitely am intolerant. And when I have gluten, my antibodies go up. <laughs> I mean, I can have a little fear there, but like I said, I'm a person of extreme. So yeah. it's uh, hard for me to cut cut back if yeah, I have. I'm with you. <laughs> um, 
So that was, that was, like I said, a game changer. And then acupuncture was amazing as well, because I feel like the act of going to acupuncture really got me more in touch with my own body and Mm -hmm. feeling things inside my body. I think so many of us live in constant chronic stress or in fight or flight. We live outside of our bodies. I can't tell you how many patients I have that come in and I ask them, how's your digestion? Or do you run hot or cold? And people can't, they're like, oh, I run normal. And then they're sweating on the table. I'm like, you actually yeah. run pretty hot. <laughs> yeah. It's not normal. Let's talk about this. And then the more they come, the more in touch they get with their bodies as well. Um, so and, interesting. And then I think the acupuncture really helped my nervous system, which I think is should be the first step in healing all chronic diseases, nervous system regulation. Um, because there's a lot of studies now that we've kind of started to figure out in the last five or 10 years, how to study acupuncture to prove its efficacy, Mm -hmm. um, which is pretty difficult because we don't have standardized protocols for specific diseases. We look at each patient as an individual. Um, So that means that if I'm getting treated for stress, or if you're getting treated for stress, we might have two different constitutional patterns that lead to us experiencing stress and experiencing stress in a different way, which would change the treatment protocol and then change the point prescription that we would use for that treatment. Wow. So it's hard to do studies for that when you're trying to look at how does this one group of points affect so many people. That's because so interesting. It doesn't really work that way. Um, but I will say that there's a lot of literature now that shows how effective acupuncture is at putting you into that parasympathetic nervous system state, which is that rest and digest. And it's just an amazing physical tool to switch that on Um, because you can do that through meditation. You can do that through, you know, a a lot of different tools, but it can be hard when you're starting out and people get stressed out about doing things right too. So Mm -hmm. sometimes it helps to just have another person facilitate that for you. Yeah, totally. It has immediate impacts. I think I told you that every time it would a needle would go here in between my pointer finger and my thumb. It was like a, a like a, um, a feel like a nerve shock or something. I don't yeah. know what that feeling is, but it kind of like freaked me out a little bit, but then it's like my entire body could relax after that. Yeah. And it like totally removed the aching in my knees and then separately Reiki really helped with that too, which yeah. was so funny. Yeah. And, um, it's, it helped my digestion. I was having just so many issues and I just really feel like when I went to acupuncture regularly, I, I think I went weekly for, and like you said, it, it felt like it calmed my whole body down and just like reset it almost like it, it just got things like unstuck is what it felt like. That's it. I love hearing that you had such a positive impact. And I feel like most people do. I haven't had a patient yet, knock on wood, that has said this hasn't worked for me um, in some way, shape or form. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just a really beautiful medicine and also like way to look at the world. It's based on chi and a balance between yin and yang. And it's a whole paradigm that we're just so unfamiliar with in the Western world. Um, so it makes it hard to study or understand because it's it's so different from what we're raised in. And yeah. I will be a student my whole life, even though yeah. I'm a practitioner now. There's just, there's thousands of years to learn from. So yeah, we in Western culture are so specific about needing an answer to things. Yeah. And that is less of an emphasis or less of a priority in Eastern culture, but it just seems like when something's been working for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, and there's so much proven evidence, like there doesn't have to be a reason why. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's probably a good balance that we can find. I think it's just learning it's changing our approach to studying Chinese medicine in that work. Cause you can't, let me see if I can put this the right way. You can't study a completely different a completely different medical paradigm using your medical tools because the tools that we use and standardized protocols and randomized controlled trials, which are amazing and great ways of seeing how things work and if things are effective within the Western world, like I mentioned, it doesn't 
really translate that well to studying Chinese medicine because we don't standardize protocols for the most part. Like mm. we have some, like we have a NADA protocol, which is auricular acupuncture, great for helping people with addiction. We have a PTSD auricular acupuncture protocol, but that's used in tandem with constitutional treatments for the body that are individualized. So, so yeah, it's complicated. I'm not a researcher. I never yeah. will. Yeah. I'm happy that we have people that understand that. Totally. Um, because it is complex. <laughs> I don't <Yeah>. want to do <laughs> So you started learning. Well, first of all, you started using these different modalities to heal yourself and your Hashimoto's. But then at what point did you start really educating yourself and decide, okay, I want to be a practitioner myself? Were yeah. you still in software sales at that point? Or had you quit um, to focus on your healing? Maybe this is where a little bit of, <laughs> I'm very similar to my mother comes in. I decided pretty quickly that I was going to leave my software sales job behind and go back to school. Like it was okay. after one, one acupuncture treatment. Wow. Um, <laughs> I love you guys. That is so much. I know it's pretty wild. Oh my God. I'm glad that we're doing it. We're doing it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's being impulsive. Maybe it's listening to your intuition. Yeah. I think when you feel drawn to something, there's a reason for that. Mm -hmm. And, um, I actually growing up always wanted to be some kind of doctor or healer. So, and I've always been interested in health and wellness. So it didn't seem like that big of a leap. And the benefit is I was coming from a job where I, in my sales role was consulting small businesses on how to grow and market their companies. So I felt like I had a good background for the business that I knew that I wanted to open after I graduated. I always knew that I was going to open my own clinic. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So you went into school knowing once I graduate and I have whatever credentials I need, I'm going to be opening my own clinic and I'm going to do this solo. Yeah. I mean, the goal Why is to do this solo for sure. I don't, okay. I am a people person. I love yeah. working with patients every day, but my, maybe we can cover this later. My ultimate dream would be to build this out and have other practitioners working with me, not even just an acupuncture, but like a whole integrative wellness clinic. I think that is beautiful. Yeah. Very cool. Why did you want to open your own clinic initially? Yeah. I think there's a lot to be said about working for other providers, learning from them for sure. Um, I am trying, that's on my to-do list is to find a mentor here in Seattle that I can, you know, run case studies by. I stay, have stayed close with a number of friends from my program. We continue to do that with each other. I think that's really important because with a medicine like this, you don't know everything and you will never know everything. Right. And I think humility is very important in any kind of career. Um, so that part was a little intimidating about opening my own space. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it was just something that I knew that I wanted to do. And yeah, yeah there wasn't another, there wasn't another option for me. I, I wanted to create something. I think that. So you quit that job and then you went to school to study acupuncture and functional medicine. Was it both at the same time or were they two separate programs? Two separate programs. It was a little crazy. So yeah. I can tell you a little bit about um, acupuncture education as well, because a lot yes. of people don't know how much goes into that. Um, and obviously I'm biased because I went through it, but I did an accelerated three-year program, which was year round. Often it takes people four to five years to go get their master's in acupuncture. Um, there are a lot of Western science classes and medical classes that you have to take in order to get your master's. I had to take a biomedicine board exam. So it's not just like what people think is kind of woo woo or pseudoscience, yeah. acupuncture, there's a lot that goes into it yeah. um, that's required and I guess makes it more legitimate in terms of our Western culture. Um, and I did my master's in acupuncture and Chinese herbal medicine. So that's kind of a dual program. Um, herbs, not all states require herbs to have an acupuncture license, but it was something that I knew I wanted to have to keep my options open. And I also did a Japanese acupuncture track as well through the school, which is 
pretty unique. I've never even heard of that. Okay, so do you use, obviously use that in your practice, but do you also use your knowledge in Chinese herbs? I would love to have some base knowledge of how Chinese herbs work so that it's like satisfying my inner 10 year old, like <laughs> kind yeah. of witchy self who wanted to I make know. a potion and like heal something. It did feel like that for sure. Like in school here, I don't have my own uh, pharmacy in my office. I outsource because I want to know that my patients are getting the best quality herbs. And um, that way I don't have to like worry about it here going bad or whatever. So I don't mix the formulas here myself anymore, but at school we did. And it was definitely fun. It did feel like you're making a little bit of a potion, not to take away from the legitimacy of the No, totally. Of course. Of course. (laughs) It is very legitimate, very effective, but also seems fun. (laughs) So did you heal yourself of Hashimoto's or is that something that you always live with for the rest of your life? And it's just like dormant inside Mm -hmm. of you in some way. And then if you eat too much gluten or if you aren't taking proper care of yourself and you're too stressed out, then it, can you have a flare up? Yeah. So I did put it in remission. My antibodies were in the range of normal after doing the elimination diet. And I wasn't on any medication, which Mm. I felt pretty good about. Um, And then I went back to school and, you know, stress is a major inflammatory trigger and then COVID happened. So there was just a lot of high stress things going on. I will say that it has never been as bad as when I got diagnosed. And I think that's because of the tools I now have available to me, whether that's acupuncture or herbs or functional medicine um, and just having a more educated approach to living a healthy and more balanced lifestyle. Um, so I would say it's managed really well now. I am on thyroid hormone. It's not levothyroxine, which is the generic um, medication I'm on. It's actually a supplement, but it's made from bovine glands. Um, So like thyroid glands and adrenal glands, and it's mixed in with selenium and iodine and all the things that are good for your thyroid. So I take like one supplement a day and call it that. That's amazing. So it seems very well managed. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. so incredible. Wow. So when you were going through school, it seemed... You, you had a gut feeling you must've when you went and had that one acupuncture session and you decided that you were going to commit to this and and leave software sales. What were you thinking to yourself in terms of like supporting yourself and your previous concepts of what success meant to you and how were you kind of changing that definition for what you wanted out of your life and how you were going to grapple with a completely different lifestyle? In terms of what success looks like to me, I think success, my definition of success has definitely changed since I was 21, just mm-hmm. entering the workforce. Um, previously, you know, in your early 20s, I wasn't thinking too much long term about what kind of goals do I have? What kind of savings do I want? What kind of resources do I want to have under my name? It was more, how can I live the lifestyle that I want and buy the clothes that I want, which sounds so mean. And now I think success is giving me freedom of choices and flexibility and the time to do the things that I want to do and also the money to do the things that I want to do. I feel like women are looked down on when they talk about wanting to make money and having that be a value. But I think that that's very important and knowing how to handle money, which has been something that I've been learning much more since going back to school and starting my own business. A lot of people think that they need to martyr themselves if they're in a healing profession and give all of themselves and not charge any money for their services just so they can give people the opportunity to heal. I think that that's very noble. I absolutely want to make healing accessible to people 100%. That's very important, but you can't feel like you can't pour from an empty cup. Mm -hmm. So I think part of what I've learned in my healing journey is it's okay to put yourself first and take care of yourself. And that might look different to different people, but, um, yeah, as long as, you know, you're meeting your own basic needs, then you'll be in a place where you can give more fully to other people. hundred percent. And it doesn't even have to be your basic needs. It can just, you know, your needs, your like needs. what you want yeah. to do, how you want to spend your money and your time and what you want your lifestyle to look like. Like you can have yeah. an extravagant lifestyle if you want to, and still help people and yeah. serve to your highest capacity. Yeah. 
probably more so just if you are having all those needs met. I think it's so important. And I love how many conversations are being had out there about not feeling ashamed about wanting to make money, like you said, and talking about money and having boundaries and the self-respect to command the earnings that you deserve based on the value that you're bringing to the table, which is a lot. It's a high Mm -hmm. value service and just bringing yourself, you have a lot of value. So you should be compensated for that and not just fairly, but well. Yeah, I agree with that as well. So I guess to your question about, did I think about the change in lifestyle or I didn't at all. I think there is some delusion that is I necessary. love this approach. I need some of this. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I just kind of, I, I kind of am still in the process of just trusting that it's going to work out because yeah. I do feel that what I'm doing is something that I'm meant to be doing mm-hmm. at least at this stage of my life. And I feel fulfilled in the healing that I can facilitate for other people and in the empowerment that I can bring to people to learn about their own health, because I'm not like the person that's healing you. It's really you continuing to show up, you learning about your body, you learning to see like when there's warning signs going on in your body or not. And also learning how to nourish yourself in a way and create balance in your life that's the basis of Chinese medicine is how do we create balance and like free flow of energy. By the way, though, for anybody listening, people who tell you that they are the ones healing you look into what they're doing and saying and their philosophy, because I feel like any legitimate, anyone who's made a difference in my life, all say this, what you just said, it's not me that's healing you. It's you getting to know your body. So in terms of the logistics of starting and owning and running a business, how do you do that? Like, especially in this space where you need many license and credentials and, and it's, it is regulated. I mean, you have to check a lot of boxes to get this done and to practice and, and heal patients and bring in clients. So how did you take that first step after you graduated from school? Yeah, I will say I'm definitely not an expert. It's only been seven months of my business. So take what I'm still learning. You're seven months ahead of many other people. (laughs) That's true. Um, I think it's good to just have to break the big picture goal of starting your own business down into multiple steps. And that's Mm -hmm. what has made it seem very approachable for me. For me, the first thing I wanted to do was have a really strong brand. So I spent year two of my program outside of school. And again, like I was really lit up by this. This was something that I was so inspired by. And I had a vision that I wanted to create into a tangible reality. So I spent Mm -hmm. the second year of my schooling researching great graphic designers or website builders that I thought would represent my brand well. Outsourcing is important, like knowing where your strengths are and where they are and finding the right partner to partner with is such an important part of business. I feel lucky because I had money that I had, I chose to take out some student loans from my grad school program to protect this money because I knew I wanted to open a clinic. So I budgeted that out. Third year of school, I started executing on that vision. So I do think that when things are meant to be, they happen really easily. So I think we had talked previously when we met for coffee, but I did not expect to move back to Seattle. I was in a long-term relationship. We were going to move to Austin. I was going to open my clinic there. I'd already looked into licensing, was getting the process going. And then, you know, life has its own plan. And we broke up and I moved home and it was a humbling experience living in my high school bedroom, my twin bed, like what the hell just happened? <laughs> 28 years old. Where is my life going? But I, there was no other option for me. I was going to open this clinic. That was yeah. what I was going to do, whether it was in Austin or Seattle. I knew that I had been working really hard towards this vision and I was going to make it happen. So while I was going through a breakup and living in the basement in a twin bed (laughs) and away from my animals and going through my board exams, I was also getting the pieces together to start looking for a space. And that happened really synchronistically. Like it was just so kismet. There was a posting on a Facebook group in my neighborhood that was in my budget or like slightly above what I had budgeted in my business proposal for a one room solo practice. And 
I came by the space and it was earlier than I wanted to sign up for a lease, but it was so perfect. Um, I was like, I can't believe I'm signing a lease for an acupuncture practice before I'm even licensed. (laughs) That really lit a fire under me to make sure that I was going to get it done. And I think part of it is just trusting that, you know, it's going to work out and that when you have that energy and you're in flow, it might sound crazy, but I knew it was going to work out. So I got the lease for this place in October, I think. I got licensed end of November. I was getting my patient management system set up. I was figuring out my LLC, taxes, like what I had to do for all of that. Um, practice insurance. Yeah, it was it was a whirlwind. I feel like I blacked out September to January, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> but um it was really fun too. Like when you're in that kind of crunch period of creation, you're birthing something to the world. It sounds so cheesy, but it's true. I mean, it's, it was magical. Mm. And um, yeah, so I opened in January and here we are. And what an amazing outlet for when you're going through some difficult stuff with your breakup and studying for the board exams and moving home and still COVID. Like, I mean, I don't think it's really a coincidence that that all happened at the same time and that you ended up in this place. It's like the universal laws of polarity, you know, like you kind of have to break things down to build something up. And that's you, you built something really amazing. It's definitely interesting starting a business you're really faced with all of your insecurities and you are kind of forced to work through them. And that it's been such an amazing growth period for me starting this business in so many ways, but also learning about myself and pushing my, my comfort boundaries and putting myself out there. It's challenging, but really rewarding at the same time. Yeah. It's never too early to dream. And you've obviously been thinking about just ideas of where you want to go with this business and then how you want to expand yourself into different areas. So I'm curious what your vision is for the practice and then for yourself. Yeah, for the practice, I really want to hire out within the next year, bring other providers in, whether that's acupuncture or something else. Um, I have always had a dream of having an integrative clinic. So lots of different providers um, working towards a common goal. I think we'll see how that pans out. Hiring is really terrifying to me because there's just so many steps. And um, do you want to hire 1099 or W2? And how does that work out with taxes? It's like a lot to juggle, but you know, one step at a time. Um, And then Beyond that, I think something that we've discussed is ideally like my moonshot vision would be having an impact on a more collective level and less like one-to-one client relationships at some point. I don't know when that will be. Um, And also getting really involved with these really cool companies that are coming out that are bringing consumer data direct to consumers. So like health data, whether that's companies like Aura Ring or it's um, companies like Viome, which can give you a, your biological age from a blood and stool test and then give you targeted supplements to help you for longevity. Like there's just so much cool science and so many amazing tools that are coming out. I would love to get involved in in some way, shape or form. I think the first thing to do is showing proof of concept with this business and then maybe taking more like advisory or consulting role in the future while maybe still having my foot and in the client relationship, like one-to-one treatments as well. Yeah. Well, one thing that you said earlier about what success means to you now is having that freedom and flexibility to explore different things that you might be interested in. But I I talked to a lot of um, health related startups and they often have a CMO, like a chief medical officer or something. And whether that's a doctor or some other type of practitioner, it's always useful when they of course have clinical experience, but when they do keep one foot in the door because they keep a pulse on what patients are coming in for, what's working for them, what isn't working for them. So it's always interesting when they spend a few hours at least in the clinic, it's just so value additive. I think that that's huge. I think one other thing that we had talked about too, that I think there's a really big opportunity for here in Seattle or the greater Seattle area is some type of social wellness club for young people. There is nothing that exists here like that. And 
I think there's such a need for people, a space for people to come together to connect for community, but also to optimize their health. Um, I see it happening in a lot of other cities and we have the people and the means to do that here. So maybe doing something like that in the future is having a leg of the way. <laughs> we'll see. Thinking about that, like nothing gets me more excited than thinking I about know. that idea. I love the concept. Yeah. We are, I'm so desperate for it here. We have to build <laughs> yeah. something, have to. Maybe we should partner and create this social wellness club. So 2,000% in the back of my mind. I was like, I've been envisioning this for a long time as, as a long-term plan. Um, but as we've been talking, I'm like, should we just do it? I think we should. Why not? I feel like when you feel a pull, no, I don't know. I really one thing do. I will say, I had a coach tell me once, she said, if you have a dream, the opportunity exists for you out there to accomplish it. And so maybe yes. this is the opportunity. <laughs> like, don't play with me because I'm going to be calling you after this. <laughs> as soon as we hang up, press stop recording. I'm like, okay. No, step one. <laughs> step one. No, I'm here for I love it. Well, thank you so, so much for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. It was great. Bye.